EMF Remedy is dedicated to helping you understand which electromagnetic threats are present in your home, and whether in the context of your current home, one you're considering for purchase, or building a new home with comprehensive protection designed in, EMF Remedy can help you reduce your family's exposure to harmful, man-made electromagnetic radiation. Hi, this is Keith Cutter with EMFRemedy.com. You're listening to Reversing Electromagnetic Poisoning. This podcast enables you to opt out of exposure to harmful man-made electromagnetic radiation in your home. Today we're going to be talking all about how to test for EMF sensitivity. Is there a way we can learn how much your health is being impacted by exposure to non-native EMF? So we'll be discussing this product project in some detail. Every survivor of EMF poisoning I've met tells of a common experience in their journey toward resilience and better health. I'm no different. I've been poisoned in this way. Um, by God's grace, I have recovered my health enough to have a healthy EMF consulting business and the honor and privilege of helping others along the same journey. So I have had this experience as well. So the common thread that we share is noticing how the body responds with and without exposure to harmful man-made electromagnetic radiation. Your situation will be unique because your body may respond differently. We've talked in other episodes about how vast the spectrum is of symptoms that have been correlated with this type of poisoning. So when you abruptly end your exposure to non-native EMF and you replace that with the EMF that was created in the beginning, your experience, the relief of symptoms, how, however that goes for you, may be different from mine. But the question is, can we set up a productive way for looking into that? So let's discuss this issue in some detail. You might be able to do this on your own, and that's my help. That's my hope, excuse me, of putting together this episode, is that you'll be able to take what we talk about today and formulate a test that will be practical for your own environment and your personal situation. Um, don't get overwhelmed if, you know, if you follow 90% of this, but you can't figure out how to get the last piece involved. I am available for one-on-one -on -one consulting. We'll talk about that more later. But um, yeah, I, I'm hopeful that there may be enough in here for most people to set up their own test. But please, before we begin, the details here are critically important to achieving an accurate with versus without 
experience. So let's go ahead and dive in. I'm, I'm excited about this, um, this discussion today. First, a brief disclaimer. Nothing in this podcast is be to, to be considered as medical advice. I am not a healthcare provider. Nothing in here is about diagnosing, treating, or prescribing for any condition or the prevention of any condition for your own uh, medical situation. You should consult with your own healthcare provider regarding any issues to your health and any questions you may have. So all of what follows is for information only. All right, let's jump in. Every person is unique and I want to read you an excerpt of a report that was uh, published about 10 years ago by a gentleman by the name of Trower. I'll give you his first name shortly. But he says in this paper he published in 2013, if I were to carry out an experiment on every single person who went through the doors of your main airport on any busy day and told them that they must drink one pint of beer and smoke 10 cigarettes a day forever. Some would react immediately, especially children. Others would react over days, weeks, months, and years, many years (laughs) in some cases. Then there would be those who who would thoroughly enjoy the experiment and probably never be ill. That does not mean that alcohol and cigarettes are safe. So I just enjoyed that um, bit of context that was in this paper. The gentleman's first name is Barry. And um, if you're not aware of his work, I would encourage you to, uh, to look into what he has to say. But as he, as the he makes valid points in, in what is being said there. Some people won't be symptomatic at all. Other people will, uh, some in the short term and some in the longer term. I kind of loathe this, this uh, idea of sensitivity or electro-hypersensitivity that I've mentioned before uh, for all the, men- all the reasons that I mentioned in that episode. But um, I think it is worth keeping in mind that some people will react differently. The common thread I see in people that are surviving this type of poisoning, they did become symptomatic. They were able to correlate their symptoms with EMF exposure. And I am amazed because Some of these people have no education, no understanding, no training at all with regard to EMF and the various types of EMF and man-made versus natural. In fact, when I, I go into people's homes and do my work as a consultant evaluating their EMF environment, helping them with their remediation, I don't solicit any stories about people's health or, you know, what's going on in that realm. But I'll tell you what, people (laughs) volunteer things and they want to talk about it. And it amazes me where I, I hear people, 
They begin sleeping in unique locations in their home. They begin spending time in specific locations in their home. And very often then when I measure those areas that they prefer to sleep other than in their bed, I very often find that they have found a sort of a null, if you will, where one particular type of radiation like RF radiation is at a minimum in that area. Or they may even they may even leave their home and drive to a quiet spot nearby to sleep. And I don't go out and find those areas and you know, do measurements to find out what the EMF environment is because I'm, you know, I'm in the home for a particular purpose. But I have no doubt that um, these quiet places that they're seeking out likely have much lower um, exposure to man-made EMF. So I'm going to give you some examples that I have seen of people instinctively, even with no information, seeking seeking out a safe place. So I had a, a client who was very sensitive. He lived near uh, Spokane, which is the nearest metropolitan area here in the inland northwest. And he was living in the country, so the RF wasn't wasn't that terrible, but uh, he did, he was getting exposed to radar, which can be very problematic due to its, I think, the periodic nature every few seconds being swept by that beam of radiation. He had stopped sleeping in his home and he had retreated to a metal shop building. Again, no, no knowledge of, of EMF. But he's out there sleeping in this metal shop building, which, of course, if you know anything about RF or radar exposure, the metal in that building is uh, it can be an effective uh, shield. Another client in, in Spokane, in the city of Spokane, had a favorite chair or quiet spot and spent nearly all their time in that spot and it was really kind of a terrible place to live, um, even with even with a lot of remedi- remediation effort in that particular home. She would have never been able to bring the levels down to what was livable for her, but somehow she had positioned and she had moved her favorite chair into this location where she felt comfortable, and by golly, I... I got out the RF meter and I discovered that there was a little null in in that area. And it wasn't a great exposure level, but it was better than much of the surrounding area. And I had a you know a client sleeping on the bathroom floor because that was the place where she was most comfortable. None of these folks knew anything about or had meters or anything else. So let me explain the experience a little bit more fully. And I can do that in the context of my experience. So I I was living in a a very rural area. 
In fact, you would describe it as rural, remote area. You know, these were a 20-acre parcels, some five-acre parcels, and not very highly populated. At that time, I had a power system to the house. We did not bring the electric utility power to the home. It was very expensive to do that. Unfortunately, I thought it would be a great idea to have alternative energy. So we did solar power. I, in my ignorance, knew nothing about the fact that off-grid power is um, horrible <laughs> for EMF exposure. And I, I talk about that more in, in some other episodes. That's not really my point here. But here I am living in what could have otherwise been a pristine environment. And like many of the clients that I work with today, I was creating my own high EMF environment in my house. So I had RF from Wi-Fi and cell phones. We had the dirty electricity that I've already mentioned from off-grid power. The ambient EMF in that area was almost pristine. So the measured levels are as follows. The alternating current magnetic field exposure was 0.02 milligauss. The electric field alternating current exposures were 0.0 volts per meter. And the RF exposure was less than one microwatt per square meter. So once I became aware of this correlation between man-made EMF and health issues of which I was suffering and EMF, I... I um, simply shut off the house. And that's kind of a unique opportunity that I had. There was no grid nearby. There were no houses no nearby with, with grid, grid power. So in an instant, I, when I turned everything off, I was able to enjoy the ambient levels of EMF exposure in the magnetic fields, the electric fields, and radio frequency radiation as well. And those are pretty great exposure levels. The RF could have been a, a little bit less. Um, I'm sorry, it was not less than, yeah, it was less than one microwatt per square meter. So that gave me an excellent point of contrast. Now I'll mention... A listener to this podcast contacted me last week and was outlining a situation in, in their home. They had three Wi-Fi-based televisions in the, in the house in a relatively small home, a Wi-Fi, uh, Wi-Fi router and several Wi-Fi computers. And, you know, the... The right thing to do, the, the, the real solution here, uh, which was not 
possible for this person at this time would have been a thorough assessment of the magnetic electric fields, dirty electricity, and the RF. So I can't say this for certain, but given that amount of RF and the fact that RF is such a pernicious type of EMF, it may be the case that just turning off all the RF at night might provide sufficient context that sort of with versus without picture that I've been talking about to determine what the effects are for her and for her health. And all of that depends on there not being, you know, wiring errors in the house resulting in uh, magnetic field exposure and electric fields not being um, high and, and dirty electricity and whatnot. But you know what? Pretty good right now is better than perfect never sometimes. So although in just a minute here we're going to talk about what the perfect test would be, I advocate doing what somebody can do now waiting for, rather than waiting for some time in the future, which you may never get to, to have sort of the perfect test. So it may be for this individual that simply turning off, and actually in the case of the televisions, you'll have to unplug those overnight. Uh, and the router, I would just unplug that as well. But just getting rid of all that RF radiation at night while people are sleeping, while those devices are not needed anyway, that might provide sufficient context. And it's going to depend on how pristine the surrounding environment is since non-native EMF easily passes right through the walls of a commodity home. And I contrast a commodity home with a, a structure that's built with EMF integrity um, from the ground up. So let's leave these examples behind. And I want to ask a question. Would, would you like to conduct your own test? See how your body might respond to replacing total immersion in a most unnatural EMF environment with a more natural environment. Let's talk about ideal tests. Now, we've done this a little bit already in the episodes dealing with ideal earthing and ideal natural light exposure. And in both of those episodes, we talked about what would be the ideal test, the perfect test. Not that people need to do perfect earthing and perfect natural light exposure ongoing, but if you want to get an idea of how powerful it is, the best thing to do is conduct an ideal test. Same situation here. So bearing in mind that pretty good right now is better than perfect never, let me tell you about um, what perfect is. So, and just let, let me say, Yep, I know compromises are necessary. I understand money can be a concern because this testing, it might cost some money. I really get that. I, as I've shared before, I lost all of mine <laughs> through the course of my suffering with EMF poisoning. So uh, you don't have to tell me about money possibly being a concern. 
Time can be a concern. Other concerns depend on your situation, uh, your unique situation, work, family, community. So the, the EMF environment, here's a fundamental thought I want to mention is that the EMF environment that was created for us in the beginning is the perfect environment to support life, yours, mine, everyone else's. The EMF environment in which most of us live is, in my opinion, an abomination. It's a completely foreign environment, unfit for all life. And yet, it's been normalized, right? Most of us were born in a hospital, and even those people who were born in a home environment, a home birth, that child was born in an atmosphere filled with electric and magnetic fields from our electric power transmission and distribution systems. They were born into exposure to conducted electromagnetic interference that we call dirty electricity, and perhaps worst of all, what I've described as the 800-pound gorilla RF radiation, also sometimes called microwave radiation, the foundation of all that we now call smart, smartphones, smart houses, smart watches, smart appliances, all powered by a type of especially harmful radiation. And you know what? You might be able to argue that deploying the electric grid across the United States was done in an innocent way and we didn't know what the harm would be to health and well-being. But the same can't be said about RF radiation. We have known for decades about the hazards and the risks and the scientists that have integrity have been um, shouting this from the rooftops and yet we seem to be embracing RF radiation in particular as though it were vitamin R. <laughs> vitamin R standing for radiation. And uh, my wife had a, had a conversation with a family member yesterday. And she was uh, saying, I love my high tech. I love this tech, that tech, and the other tech. Well, it sure is convenient, but it all comes with a unique form of uh, radiation exposure. So even when we're born, we are born into this strange environment filled with electric and magnetic fields from the power distribution, transmission systems, conducted electromagnetic interference called dirty electricity, the RF radiation, which is so prevalent in our culture right now, so highly normalized. If people could see the cloud of radiation that they're embracing when they strap on a, a smartphone and carry it with them all day. Uh, it, it would just, I think, amaze people. So I have a couple of questions. Do you know how much of which types, you know, I've just mentioned four types, but do you know how much of which types of radiation you've been exposed to in the last week? Is there any process in place for you or for any other person to monitor your exposures? I mean, really, can you get the equivalent of a dosimeter for uh, man-made EMF? Not, not to my knowledge, no. 
And certainly nobody at a level other than a personal level is keeping track of your exposures. So all of this to say the perfect test then is to leave all of it behind. Yes, all of it. I know, I know. I know you think RF is the only problem. I've heard it before many times. It isn't the only problem. There are no magic frequencies. All commercial implementations of non-native EMF are harmful. Setting up an effective test is very simple then. Two options. One, visit a pristine environment for a week. Or, two, create a pristine environment and stay for a week. Now, either of these two are going to require one thing that we've talked about before, and that is verification. Since you can't see, touch, feel, smell, hear, EMF, at least most people can't, you won't be able to verify that a place is pristine or not. We've talked in the past about how even campgrounds, even state and national campgrounds in, located in beautiful areas are now piping in uh, RF radiation in the form of, of Wi-Fi. So you'll need to verify that the place that you've chosen for your test in an ideal environment, you'll need to verify with the appropriate meters and techniques that your exposure to alternating current magnetic fields as measured with, as I mentioned before, a three-axis gaussimeter with good accuracy and technique is, you know, say less than or equal to 0.02 or less um, milligauss. And with regard to AC electric fields, the level exposure that you're looking for, and this needs to be verified, is 0, 0.0 volts per meter. And that's a measurement taken with an accurate three-axis potential-free electric field meter. Or if you want to use a body voltage meter, that's fine. You're looking for, say, less than 10 millivolts. Uh, AC body voltage should be zero, but less than 10 millivolts should be fine. Uh, and then lastly, RF, uh, you'll be looking for 0, 0.00 microwatts per square meter of RF over 200 megahertz to 8 gigahertz, and we're looking for peak, not average, with an accurate meter. So what that really mean, means if you're, by the way, that's below the noise floor in a lot of RF meters, but if you have one that is accurate or displays three decimal points, really this, this would equate to less than or equal to 0 0.004 
microwatts per, per square meter. So you want to make sure whether you're creating or going to the pristine environment that you're able to get in an ideal case to those levels of exposure. And I've already laid out the proper selection and use of appropriate meters in the previous episodes uh, of this podcast for electric and magnetic fields, as well as RF radiation and dirty electricity. You may note that I didn't give a reading for what is the dirty electricity because 0.0 volts per meter electric field implies no electric fields. So the dirty electricity has no place to live. So you don't need to measure that, of course. All right, let's take a look at the advantages and the disadvantages of visiting a pristine place for a time versus creating a pristine place. So first, visiting a pristine place. This the the advantages are this is the most turnkey if you can find and verify that it's a pristine location. It is the most turnkey in the sense that you can pack your, you know, your camping equipment or whether you found a, a primitive cabin somewhere or, you know, whatever it may be, you just leave your house and you arrive at this destination with all the groceries you're going to need and the books you want to read and, you know, the book, the uh, paper for the novel you're going to write or whatever you want to do for that week. And it's turnkey, you know, you're, you're done, you're in the, you're in the right place. It, the other advantage is it gives you the clearest A slash B test, you know, here's A, here's my exposures, and here's B, here's the lack of exposures. When I compare A with B, you know, you've got a really clear, you left your home, you drove for a while, or you took a trip in an airplane, now you're in a place that's completely different, so it gives you the clearest. You're able to leave a dirty environment and enter a clean environment, potentially on the same day. Another advantage is that it's easier to not cheat. And what I mean by cheating is, you know, perhaps we all have some form of addiction with regard to RF uh, or may, what may potentially be RF technologies, that temptation to just check a quick email, to just send one more text message, to jump on Wi-Fi for a second just to check my feeds. Um, it's easier to not cheat when you don't have any power, and there's no cell phone towers, and there is no Wi-Fi, and you've left your computer at home. You just you don't have it, so cheating less of an issue. How much cheating is bad? Like in a 24-hour day, if you just checked, you know, I just placed one short phone call on a smartphone or whatever. Any, <laughs> any, any exposure, I think, would invalidate the test. So we're really looking for no non-native EMF exposure in the duration, the total duration of your test. This one is also less disruptive for family. So if you're sharing your house with um, a spouse or with other loved ones, you know, if you have uh, extended family or if you have children, 
this test will be less disruptive for them. There's a whole huge issue of when you have electromagnetic poisoning, you have other people in your life, there's this whole issue of, you know, what kind of an accommodation will your loved ones make for you? And uh, we don't even want to go through all the issues there today, but the advantage of visiting a pristine place is it's less disruptive for the family because you leave the others behind. So they don't have to modify their behavior. They're inadvertent or potentially sneaky use of technology won't poison you, won't sabotage the test. Now, the disadvantages for visiting a pristine place are you're potentially changing other environmental factors. You know, your food, your eating habits may be different. Uh, the climate may be different. The allergens, some might be present that weren't before, or others might be missing that uh, were in existence before, etc. Et if the challenge, another disadvantage, if the challenge reveals that wow, EMF is a huge issue in my life. All these things that were horrible now got better. And all I did was changed my exposure to EMF. Well, one disadvantage is that you're going to have to spend additional money on remediating your home environment. Because that's sometimes option B here. You know, the, the other thing that you can do is remediate your home environment. So I'll, I'll just mention that as a potential negative. Let me mention a very quick aside. You know, when I do evaluations for clients, sometimes in, in, at the end they'll get a, a listing of the objective findings. You know, what were the different levels of which types of radiation in which areas? And... They're then looking at a plan. I provide them a plan with how could they make more progress? How could they get the, le the levels lower in key areas? And they might be wondering, gee, do I want to do this? Do I not want to do this? And I'll often recommend, you know, these are people who have not yet come to, they're just trying to be proactive. They've not yet come to the conclusion that non-native EMF is affecting their their health. And I'll, I'll often recommend that they do some form of a challenge. Um, camping is, is an easy one, right? If people are into camping and they're all set up with that and they're able to leave their tech behind, it's, um, it's, it's an easier opportunity and it can be used by people before they even decide if they want to remediate their home environment. So that's just a bit of an aside. All right. So uh, depending on the budget and your personal flexibility, this may be more difficult to achieve. So, you know, my ideal would be a tropical island somewhere with no power, <laughs> no cell phones, and, you know, propane powered refrigerator and uh, propane cook stove and oven. So 
you could be living in style, but without any EMF exposure. But I'll tell you what, that's going to be expensive, right? And, you know, the personal flexibility, can you, can you travel? Can you, can you do that? Can you make that work with everything else going on in your life? So that's something to consider. Um, wherever you choose, you want to make sure there is no power. And again, I know I'm, I'm talking about the ideal. People will naturally compromise and say, we can't do this, that, or the other thing. But remember, we're talking about the ideal test, and then we'll talk in a moment about how you can fit that to where you're at today. But the ideal would be no power of any kind, no inverter-based power, no solar power, no grid power, nothing. The example, primitive camping, no electricity of any kind no wireless of any kind. Now that, there are people who have some very elaborate camping vehicles, recreational vehicles, um, camping trailers, outside of the U.S., caravans, I believe is what they're called. They can be wonderful if they're old school, but if you've got something with a Starlink antenna and a Wi-Fi router, and an inverter with solar panels, you know, any of that tech, um, you're going to have to have somebody who knows what they're doing go in and remediate all that, remove all that, or you're going to have to go through it and get rid of all that. But if you can, if you can put all of that aside and actually do primitive camping, you know, those, those would still be good vehicles. So the other option other than camping is, do you have a friend, do you have a relative that may have a rural or a remote home or a cabin where you could shut off the main power for the duration of your stay? And again, you'll have to verify the environment. You know, if they're near a cell phone tower or they have three neighbors with Wi-Fi routers, it's not going to be a very good test, but you know, who knows? You may have a um, a cousin or an uncle or whatever that has a hunting cabin or some type of a rural or remote home or cabin may be a good platform for this. So that's that's it for visiting a pristine place. Now let's look at creating a pristine place. Now that might look like building a special low EMF tiny house, for example, or of course having one built for you, or perhaps a, a permanent ADU, and ADU stands for Auxiliary Dwelling Unit on your property, where it's allowed, it's, it's like a small home that you can place on your property, and that would, of course, be an ADU that has shielded wiring, so you may be able to be on the grid and still have 0.0 volts per meter of electric field exposure. You'll have to verify, as I've mentioned before, what the ambient levels are in that area, but you know, an ADU might be a wonderful opportunity. The tiny house wonderful opportunity. Maybe even extensive remediation of a current home. That might 
give a great A-B test. Now, the benefits of creating the pristine place are lasting value in the money that's spent on creating or remodeling the home. So you can live in this longer term to continue your healing, living in it longer term, potentially indefinitely, depending on the location and population density and whatnot. Or it could provide a bridge to a new location or shielded home as you're able to uh, make that, if you're able to make that a reality. The disadvantage, it might be impossible if the ambient EMF levels are too high. There are places in the U.S. today that are irredeemable. They're uninhabitable from an EMF perspective, even with the best uh, shielding and all the best countermeasures in place, it would be impossible in probably all of the metropolitan areas to get down to the levels that we're talking about. Unless you're able to find a little wrinkle in the geography, a sort of hidden valley, someplace near or even within potentially a metropolitan area. So just a heads up that it might be impossible. You'll need to look at ambient levels. If you have a consultant involved in your evaluation, he's going to look at that for you and let you know what's possible, what's conceivable. So more and more um, land in the United States and around the world becomes uninhabitable every year. So if you choose to relocate either now or in the future, you might want to choose a strategic spot for the best long-term health. All right, so let's look at another um, couple of disadvantages. It's easier to cheat if if you're in your home environment. If you have some kind of a a uh, cell phone signal out there. Um, if you have wired internet and you're you're tempted to use your computer and your wired internet while you're doing this test, not a good idea because the computer can't really be made sell- safe from an EMF perspective. Not saying that longer term you might not be able to use it, particularly if you have wired internet connection, but just putting your hands on or near a computer that's operating is going to expose you to all kinds of uh, strange non-native EMF, and as you can easily verify with the, the meters we've talked about. So also another disadvantage is other family members may spoil the test with secret wireless use within the home, um, the, and boy, I, I have seen this, <laughs> I've seen this over and over again, even in loving, functional families, sometimes people just don't get it. They just really, they're potentially willfully ignorant of the harm that can happen. And, but, but I have seen some Wonderful people do some not-so-wonderful things with regard to exposing loved ones that they know are sensitive to to radiation. Um, sometimes, you know, 
out of a desire to see if they're really sensitive or not. Sometimes they just, they can't imagine it would be harmful or, you know, whatever reason. But all I'm saying, all I'm saying is if you're trying to create a pristine place and you're trying to develop a test, is that other members of the household might spoil the test, okay, with their sort of secret or surreptitious use of wireless within the home, particularly. If the pristine place you create is your current home, or if it's not an additional structure, another challenge is that it's going to be a continuous test, not a discrete test. And what I mean by that is that it happens over time, right? Because as you do the various elements required in your your remediation plan for your existing home, you're going to make the electric fields better by doing this thing over here, and you're going to make the magnetic fields better by getting this wiring error addressed, and then you're going to make the RF radiation better by, you know, exploring a canopy or a partial shielding where it makes sense, so that it's not going to be a clear A, B, you know, in one day I go from the way I've been living with all this radiation exposure to the next day I'm in a place where, you know, all native EMF and no non-native EMF. So there is that aspect. So what I'm trying to do here is give you the pros and cons so that you can formulate your own test. And by going through the difference between going to a pristine place, verifying it's okay, versus creating your own pristine place, verifying it's okay. Now, if you... You know, if you're building a shielded tiny home, you can verify that that's going to be perfect, and then you can do it a wonderful A-B test. You know, go from living in your house one day to staying for a week at an appropriate location where the ambient levels are conducive with the tiny home. So you will want to intentionally create the greatest contrast possible moving from unnatural EMF exposure to natural EMF exposure. And we talked about that in a lot of detail in the first 10 episodes of the podcast. Your personal relationships, your finances may play a part. Let me reiterate the following things as you begin to formulate in your mind what this test can possibly look like in your environment. The entire electromagnetic envelope is important. Magnetic fields, electric fields, dirty electricity, and radio frequency, radiation, all of them are important. Appropriate meters are critical to success, as we've talked about a number of times. All-in-one meters are worthless. In fact, they're not only not worth having, they are worth not having. (laughs) People can be greatly misled by these Um, meters that purport to do electric, magnetic, and RF all in one meter. Those and the smartphone applications for this type of work, in my opinion, are completely worthless. They simply don't have what it takes to do critical work like this. The duration of... I've been saying a week, and I think a week would be ideal. 
I gave you an example in a last podcast or a couple of podcasts ago where, you know, the kind of fun things I've heard when I'm doing evaluations and we'd had the power off for, oh, I don't know, half hour, maybe 45 minutes. And the husband suddenly says, hey, my ear stopped ringing, you know, because all of that ended, you know, the electric fields, the magnetic fields, the RF radiation, the dirty electricity exposure went away. This was a young couple, you know, so in 45 minutes, um, this individual noticed a change in their physical status. So I think, you know, my opinion would be the older you are or the more you're, the more ill you are, the more you've been poisoned, probably the longer it's going to take. Maybe the younger you are, maybe, maybe the less, maybe the healthier you are, maybe the less it will take. A few days, you know, perhaps that might give you a adequate contrast. One day, uh, I don't know, unlikely for most people, I suppose. In the end, though, as I've said before, pretty good right now is better than perfect never. So remember the listener to this podcast that contacted me last week who mentioned they had three smart televisions, which if I translate into the news speak or the double speak of this age means three radiation emitting <laughs> televisions in the home, uh, emitting by the way, Wi-Fi radiation, which is maybe one of the very worst types of, um, modulation schemes and frequency choices for RF radiation. But anyway, They had that, they had Wi-Fi router, they had the cell phones in the home. And I proposed the idea, maybe it would be best, it's it's not perfect, it would be best to go in and do a thorough evaluation, but, you know, it would be so easy at night to just unplug all of that when everyone is sleeping, when it wouldn't be needed anyway, and then actually power down all of the smartphones that might be enough contrast. And if not the first night, maybe a week of doing that. So now I've offered you sort of what's perfect and what might be achievable for one person in one family in one place tonight. A final word on this topic and then a summary and some closing comments I'd like to share with you. So, establishing context is a simple process, but there are a lot of variables. And my my thought that I want to share is that it's really important to get this test right to the greatest extent of your ability. Your situation will be unique, If you need help, I'm available for either telephone-based or Zoom-based consulting. Of course, face-to-face for people who are in the inland Northwest, but for others, I'd be happy to help you in this setting up a good test for your environment. 
Or if you just have some questions about the right kinds of meters or techniques for measuring or, or whatever. I want to encourage you to invest the time and energy to make it the best possible test and no cheating. <laughs> I Did I mention, no, I should mention, when, when I was living off-grid and I was really sick from this type of radiation poisoning and we had to move because although we were able to eliminate every bit of man-made radiation, and this is an opportunity most people don't have, but when you're living off-grid, far from other people, far from the grid, I could turn off the whole thing. Every bit of it went away. The problem is that we had to pump water at a minimum. And you know what? We had we had a wood stove, so we had heat. You know, we also had a propane heater, so that was we were good in that way. We had as well, um, you know, a wooden cook stove. We had a propane stove. We, we were fine in terms of our normal daily things we needed to do, but we had to pump water. And the only way I could pump water was to turn the inverter on. And when I turned the inverter on, all of that dirty electricity manifested. And it only took five minutes to pump water. And this is embarrassing, but I'm going to share it anyway. I would turn it on <clears throat> on a dead run. Turn the house on, which would trigger the, the f pump and the filling of the you know tank and everything. And I would push that button and I would already be in motion running for the front door and I would get at least 100 feet away. And I would wait out there, <laughs> rain or shine, snow, whatever, so that I could avoid that exposure just to the dirty electricity component of living off-grid. And it was still, you know, I, I could reach a certain threshold in my healing, which I did very quickly in a two-month period. And some amazing things happened, but I couldn't get any further. And it was just because of that need to pump water um, two or three times a day. Just that little exposure and getting even 100 feet away. So when I encourage you to um, do the best job that you can and get this test right to the greatest of your ability. It's because I know how a tiny bit of cheating can really have a dramatic effect. And I know it from not only my personal experience, but from working with others. So I want to encourage you to get the proper meters, learn the proper techniques. It is so critical. It's going to be a life skill in the 21st century anyway. Um, you may as well get it over with, get a good set that's going to serve you well over the years. And you'll need to observe um, all of those types of radiation. Don't miss, I want to encourage you, don't miss the earthing and the proper lighting exposures. You know, the sunrise, the midday, the sunset, the bare skin exposure. 
all the things that we talked about in the recent episodes on earthing and exposure to proper lighting because when you're in an appropriate place to conduct this test, boy, don't miss out on those two because what we're doing really is we're testing the replacement of an abnormal EMF environment with the natural EMF environment. All right, so a few more um, a few more words here. Are you interested in supporting this podcast? I would appreciate some help. I want to continue to create and share useful information and training for you. And I would ask that you please consider whether you might be willing to pray that this podcast would be useful for many people and that it might reach many people. I wanted to ask if you would consider helping financially if you're able, whatever that looks like for you. Um, there will, for the first time, be a link in the description of the podcast where you can do that if you'd like. And I have no experience, boy, talk about, this is embarrassing to admit, I have no experience with social media. Don't use it, really never have. Um, but I know it's important for reaching people, people who might be hurting, people who might benefit from the content on this podcast. Would you consider if you are a person who uses social media, would you consider sharing this podcast with others, either directly with others or through social media? I don't know how all that works, but y'all out there listening to me, you know how that works. And if you'd uh, consider doing that, I'd sure appreciate it. So I want to say thank you. I'm grateful for your support. I'm grateful for your time and attention. I really hope that this has been a help for you. I am looking forward to next week's episode. We'll see you next time.